Have you ever had a time in life when you knew, like, you just blew it? You missed an opportunity, you betrayed a friend, you damaged a relationship. Peter knew that feeling. After years of following Jesus, serving alongside of him, and boldly declaring his allegiance to him, Peter had denied even knowing Christ in the hours that he needed him most. I imagine that in his mind, there was no way Jesus could still love him or use him after what he'd done. And so there was nothing left to do but to go back to fishing, back to the thing that he knew best. But Jesus had other plans for Peter. And following a beachside breakfast, Jesus assured Peter that he was not done with him yet. In fact, Jesus had greater plans for Peter than he could have ever imagined. In times of transition, it's easy to believe that the best days are behind us. But I believe that Jesus is speaking the same message to us that he spoke to Peter all those years ago. I'm not done with you yet. In fact, the best is still yet to come. Good morning. It's good to be here. And uh, it's a profound privilege to be able to stand before you and, and share a message from God's word. And if you'd told me three years ago, for example, that I would be here doing this, I was <laughs> I just laughed at you like you're crazy because of the impossibility of it all. But God, the God of the impossible, can do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine. So here I am and so glad to be here. Let's pray. God, thank you for a beautiful day today and thank you for this group that's gathered both here and online. And we pray that you'll help us to hear what you want us to hear today. In Jesus' name, amen. I read a, a report, read two or three versions of it that originated with the CDC recently. It was uh, based on a survey of 5,000 people taken in late June. And so it was in the middle of the pandemic. And it revealed some very sobering and, and maybe even surprising things. It said that 40% of people have experienced a mental or behavioral health condition. 31% of people report symptoms of anxiety or depression. And then it starts turning farther south to me. 22% of essential workers have contemplated suicide. 31% of unpaid caregivers taking care of adults have contemplated suicide. And then 25% of all adults, 18 to 24, have contemplated suicide, which is triple the normal rate. Statistically speaking, that means that several of us in the room, perhaps, and several of us online are really struggling. And that's Captain Obvious, I guess. But, but we're struggling to the point that we're not sure that it's worth living life anymore. And I, I think it's related, I wonder if it's not related to the fact that we have so much time to think. So many of our distractions were shut down. And so we were kind of stuck with ourselves and we were stuck with social media. You know, it's kind of a bad combo sometimes. And so we start reflecting upon our lives, comparing our lives to others. And, and maybe we started reliving the past a little bit more than we have uh, without all the distractions. Lauren Daigle sings so beautifully. I keep fighting voices in my mind that say I'm not enough. And she's reflecting what 
most of us, probably all of us know, and that is we constantly relive stuff in our mind that we've done. So we, we're constantly reliving the past in our mind. And for me, it's like vivid, uh, high-definition video clips or audio clips. And, and it can be really good things or it can be really bad things. Satan likes to get a hold of the remote and he likes to pop into our mind those things that we did that are really dumb and stupid and sinful. And he likes to narrate. And that's a battle for me. I, I was literally running down the road the other day and in my mind popped something that happened decades ago that was really stupid on my part. And I had to pop it back out, which is what you need to do. But sometimes we're not successful. So we, we allow these video and audio tapes to play in our mind and then Satan likes to narrate and he says, well, look at you. You know what you are. You are a loser. Oh, and look, do you remember this time you said that? You know what? You are a failure. Why do you think that anyone would be interested in hearing what you have to say? Why would anybody be interested in, in following you? And who do you think you are even trying to follow Christ? You know, why don't you just give up? And I wonder if that's not the Saturday, Friday crucifixion Saturday sort of thing that Peter is experiencing. He's, I think, reliving uh, some of the things that has happened. And I, I really wonder if Peter is not suicidal. And, and I think I have some evidence for that. I mean, his fellow apostle Judas thought about what he did, breaking relationship with Jesus like Peter did. And Judas hangs himself. Both Peter and, and Judas fail in an epic way in that moment uh, of Jesus in the last hours. And, and how can you come back from that kind of failure? How can you ever come back and recover from that? And Judas doesn't think he can, so he hangs himself. Peter, however, is hanging around, I think, wondering, trying to figure out if there's any way to, to keep on going. I want you to imagine with me this morning, I have a very vivid imagination, which is not always good, but I, I like to imagine scenes out of scripture. So I, I'm imagining here Peter on Saturday after the crucifixion on Friday and the sun's setting, it's a Sabbath day, so he's had all this time to think and reflect. And so Peter is sitting alone, it's quiet, he's reliving his past experiences with Jesus, three years of Jesus, and he's seeing successes and he's seeing failures, but Satan really has, Satan has the remote. And so all these things are lining up in, in Peter's mind, these video, high definition pictures and, and video clips, and Sarah, Satan is narrating. He's saying, Peter, <laughs> look at you. Look, look at what you did. You know what you are, don't you? Loser. You are a loser. You might as well get an L tattooed on this side of your head and while you're at it, once you get an F on this side because you know what you also are? You are a failure. You are a loser and a failure. No doubt about it. Just remember what you did just yesterday. And so Peter is sitting there. It's, it's very quiet, too quiet, and, and this stuff's just rolling around his mind. And he tries to think of pleasant things because he had some pleasant experiences. 
but those things are soon canceled out by all the bad things. And so Peter remembers that day that Jesus calls him and he he remembers that day that he finally leaves the fishing boat and he's leaving behind what is secure and what is comfortable, what he really knows. So it's a big deal and it's scary, but the call of Christ was too compelling, so he goes. Then he remembers that one time after Jesus had fed the 5,000, Jesus said, look, I'm going to stay here. You guys go on, go get in the boat, cross the Sea of Galilee, I'll catch you later. And so Peter and the other guys are in the boat. They're having a hard time because the wind is against them. And they have been working all night, rowing. And, and about daylight, they look out and they see this mysterious figure walking on the water and they think it's a ghost. And so they are terrified, Matthew says in chapter 14. They are terrified. But it's Jesus. And Jesus shouts and says, don't be afraid. Take courage. It's just me. It's just me. And so Peter looks at Jesus and he says, well, if it's you, tell me to come walking to you on the water. And Jesus says, well, come on. Come on. And so give Peter credit. I mean, Nobody else got out of the boat, but Peter got out of the boat, which is a big risk. And so Peter gets out of the boat, puts his foot on the water, and it's holding him up. And so he starts walking on the water, looking at Jesus the whole time. But then he hears the wind, and he, he takes his eyes off Jesus, and he sees the waves, and he starts getting afraid, and he starts sinking. And he has to cry out, Lord, save me. And Jesus comes over and pulls him up out of the water, And as he pulls him up out of the water, he says, Peter, where's your faith, man? Where's your faith? Where's your faith? Peter lets that thought clear. And here comes another video. This one is is good and Satan sets it up because this is Peter's greatest shining moment. It's that day right out of Caesarea Philippi that Jesus says, who do men say that I am? And get various answers. And then finally, Peter stands and says, I'll tell you who you are. You are the son of the living God. You're the Christ. And Peter remembers how Jesus lavishes praise on him for this confession. And he remembers how Jesus makes all these promises about the kingdom and Peter being a key person in the kingdom. And Peter doesn't really know what all that means, but he knows it's good. And so he smiles when he thinks about that. But then here comes the next video and it's, that moment right after that great scene where Jesus starts to tell them, look, I've I've got to go to Jerusalem and I'm gonna die. I'm gonna die there. That's all they hear. And so Peter starts arguing with Jesus and no, 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 that's not gonna happen. And it ends up with Jesus saying to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are are a stumbling block to me. You don't have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Ouch. So there Peter sits on Saturday night, hanging his head and weeping. It's enough. I just can't think about it anymore. But there is too much And there's more flooding in. And he starts remembering what happened yesterday, the day of crucifixion. He remembers what happened Thursday, Thursday night. And so he starts 
seeing Jesus. He sees Jesus in the garden praying in agony. He sees Jesus being arrested. He sees Jesus being mocked. He sees Jesus being falsely accused. He sees Jesus being spat upon. He sees Jesus being beaten. His back is nothing but a bloody mess. He sees Jesus carrying the cross. He sees it all. And he's reliving that and he's remembering how he was so afraid. He was so afraid, his fear led him to lie about his relationship with Jesus. His fear led him to deny that he even knew who Jesus was. And with cursing and swearing, he says, I don't know him, I don't know the man. And then, the rooster, the rooster crowed. And all those words of Jesus come crashing over him. Truly, I tell you this very night before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. Peter hangs his head and he weeps again on this terrible Saturday night as he relives all those things. And he wants to go to sleep. but He's having trouble going to sleep. He's tossing and turning and he's hoping he can go to sleep and perhaps he hopes he just won't wake up. It's that bad. Early the next morning, Sunday morning, Peter is awakened by a rooster. And then it comes crashing back over him like a tsunami, that blasted rooster. And his epic failure is there for him to, to wrestle with him again. And he's lying in bed. He's trying to figure out how to get up. He's trying to figure out how to, figure out how to go on with life and then he hears something outside he hears somebody running and they're running toward his house and he gets out of bed and he uh, opens the door and the sun is is rising on Sunday morning and he'll never forget what he hears with these people that have shown up and and they're saying a friend says to him look the tomb is empty angels told us he is risen they also said go tell his disciples and peter he is risen and so this concerned, sympathetic friend grabs Peter and says, did you hear what I said? Did you hear what I said? Peter, he is risen. He wants you to know. He wants to see you. You've been singled out from heaven. So Peter's life just suddenly changes again. And Peter puts on some clothes and he runs to the empty tomb to make sure. And sure enough, it's empty. And then Peter waits to meet Jesus. And then on Sunday night, Jesus shows up. I'm guessing it was very awkward for Peter to see Jesus. How do you come back from such an epic failure? And it seems like that they never cleared the air, Peter and Jesus. And so Jesus never really addresses the issue with Peter and Peter is still wondering where do I stand Jesus has been nice enough but I don't know where I stand and this takes us to, to John chapter 21 which is our focus today Peter's confusion seems to get the best of him because he, he says I'm going to go fish I'm going fishing and that's not like you and I saying I'm going to go to Lake Monroe and fish this afternoon uh, just for some fun and recreation, just to get away. It's not what Peter's saying, I, I don't think. I think Peter's saying, look, I know fishing, 
Fishing has provided me security. It's provided me comfort. I, I know fishing. That's what I'm gonna do. This Jesus thing, I just can't figure it out. It's too confusing to me. So he goes fishing. Some of the other guys say, we'll go with you. And so they go out in their fishing boat and they fish all night and they don't catch a thing. And early the next morning as, as dawn is about to break, they, they look over and there's a man of mystery on the beach. And this mysterious man shouts out across the water, have you caught anything? No, no. Well, put your nets on the right side and, and, and see what happens. And they do. And, and when they do, their nets are just full of fish all of a sudden, so, so full they can't even pull them up to put them back in the boat. And John, in the boat with Peter, uh, looks at the fish. He looks back to the beach. He looks at Peter and says, it's the Lord, it's the Lord. And so Peter is out of the boat again. He jumps out of the boat and he swims, swims to the beach. And this is the third time they've met Jesus. And Jesus has prepared a, a little fire there on the beach. It's a charcoal fire, we're told. And he has grilled some fish and he has some bread. And so the guys all gather around and I don't know what they talked about. But Jesus feeds them. He feeds them bread and fish and maybe they just talk about the weather and fishing but I imagine a scene where things get quiet again and maybe there's an awkward silence they've run out of things to talk about and so like good men they're all poking the fire with sticks right and uh, just kind of playing around the fire and it's quiet and the only thing you can hear is the fire popping and cracking in the, the water uh, lapping up on the beach and the fishing boat rocking back and forth. And then we pick up the reading in verse 15, John 21. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Seems like it's a little dig at Peter. Uh, regarding his brag that he, if everybody else fails, I won't fail you. Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Feed my lambs. I think that settles over with silence. And then Jesus asks again, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Take care of my sheep. The third time, he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Now, Peter was hurt because he asked him the third time, do you love me? And Peter said, Lord, you know all things. Please tell me I'm not going to do it again. Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Now, it seems to me that Jesus is, is challenging Peter about his commitment. And at the same time, is very beautifully 
erasing the three denials with three opportunities to affirm and to express his love and commitment to Jesus. But it hurts Peter. He's confused by it. And so Jesus spells it out very plainly. He says to Peter, look, I I tell you, you know this. When you were younger, you could do what you wanted. But when you get older and it's not going to be long, you're not going to have control of your life anymore. And people are going to stretch out your hands and others will dress you and they're going to take you where you don't want to go. And then John tells us, Jesus said this to let him know by, by what kind of death he would glorify God. Then Jesus said to him, said to Peter, looked at him right in the face and he said, follow me, Peter, follow me. There is a huge, huge difference between failing and being a failure. A huge difference between failing and being a failure. Peter failed multiple times, but he was not a failure. And John 21 is about switching Peter's perceived identity as a failure, switching him to a new identity. His identity is not Peter the fisherman, but Peter the shepherd. His identity is not Peter the failure, but Peter the follower of Christ. He is Peter the follower of Christ. That's his identity, which provides him with purpose. If you know who you are, you'll know what to do. And Peter now knows not too many years ago, a lot of things happened in and around my life um, that made ministry exceedingly difficult and that's what I'd done all my life was ministry. There were so many things beyond my control. Most of it was beyond my control and I had trouble at times controlling what I should have and for many reasons, for the sake of many things, I made the difficult decision to leave ministry two and a half years ago. And this led to a wilderness experience for me, a dark night of the soul sort of thing. I battled a lot of demons that showed up as depression and discouragement. I cried and I cried a lot and I cried out to God a lot and I wanted to be useful. I felt useless. I wanted to be useful in his service. I, I just I was lost in lots of ways. I knew God was there, but, but he was so silent. I couldn't hear him. He, I knew he was there, but he was so invisible. I couldn't see him. Early in this wilderness experience, I was asked to be on a panel of people to answer spiritual questions from young people. You know where it was on the list of things I wanted to do? It wasn't on there. It was on a list of things I really didn't wanna do, but I said yes. And that night I went and on the panel also was this younger man and, and we hit it off just in all kinds of areas, uh, just had things in common, just, just hit it off. And, and so we talked more and more and he said, hey, can we get together? I'd really like to talk to you more about life and ministry. And I said, okay, okay. I felt like I really had nothing to offer him because of the way I was feeling at the time. I was too proud to say no because I was feeling like I not only had failed, but I was feeling like a failure because the dreams that I had had been just absolutely destroyed. And uh, ministry was just not what it should be or could be. So I was feeling pretty low. And yet this guy was wanting to talk to me. 
He saw something I didn't see. He wanted to learn. He wanted to be encouraged. And we met several times, but it was me that ended up being the one that was encouraged. And I was learning and I was regaining confidence. We met several times over the months to share meals and fellowship. And while all this was going on, uh, I had a blast from the past. A guy that I went to school with at Lipscomb University, uh, we, we made contact and, and he's a was a professor at Johnson University in Knoxville for a long time, and now he's a Harding grad in Memphis, and he's a, a brilliant scholar, but he's also a church consultant and a ministry coach, and he said, hey, would you uh, be a guinea pig for me? He said, uh, here's the deal. I'm gonna offer you something that's worth hundreds of dollars. It's, uh, you get to take the integrated Enneagram, and then you get eight hours of coaching, and I said, sure, I'd love to do that. So I took the integrated Enneagram, I'm two. And uh, that was interesting, but what was more valuable to me was the eight hours of time with this man, his name's Carlos Gupton. Carlos uh, and I dialogued for eight hours about life and ministry and, and just stuff came out of my heart that needed to come out of my heart. And, uh, and he understood it like nobody else would. And I'll never forget what he said during all that. He stopped one day in the middle of everything and he said, Alan, you are not a failure. I needed to hear that, you see. And, and Peter needed to hear that from Jesus. And that's what I think Jesus is telling him. Maybe you need to hear that. Oh, that young guy in the, in the story I just told, his name, you might know him, his name is Sean. Sean Green is his name. One of the biggest blessings in my life. I don't know if you battle at times feeling like a failure. I've discovered over the last two or three years that some of the, the most famous, high-performing, successful people at times feel like failures. Not like they failed, but they feel like they're failures. And it's sometimes called the imposter syndrome. So I'm thinking if people like that feel that way, then probably most of us feel that way at times. And it's Satan, and it is Satan, trying to define us by our failures by calling us a failure, hoping that we'll identify with that. Don't let him do that. Don't let him define you in that way. Don't listen to him. Allow God to take your failures and to redeem them, to rework them, to be redemptive in that he makes good things come out of the bad things that we do or experience and let him take those and make them defining moments for our future success. So keep following Jesus no matter what. He is enough. This song, Do It Again, we're gonna sing. That was my anthem for two and a half years. Do it again, Lord. Do it again. Jesus, you're still enough. Keep me within your love. My heart will sing your praise again. Your promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness. Faithfulness. I'm still in your hands. This is my confidence. You never failed. One last thing about Peter. He did follow Jesus. He did not lie. He did not deny. He was put to death for his faith. And historians say that he was crucified upside down. You know why? Because he said, I'm not worthy to die in the same manner as my Lord. So crucify me upside down. So here's some things I want you to take with you today. And I'm going to take them home too. 
Number one, failing does not make you a failure. Don't let your failures define you. Jesus does not give up on people who fail. Jesus works in and through our failures to redeem and restore. He gives us our identity. We are followers of Christ, beloved children of God, and our identity gives us purpose in life. We know what to do. Lauren Daigle sings, am I more than just the sum of every high and every low? Remind me once again, just who I am, because I need to know. We are beloved children of God, followers of Jesus, no matter what you've done, no matter what you've done, no matter how you feel, God has not given up on you. He won't give up on you. He needs you. He wants you. His kingdom needs you. This church needs you. You are not done yet. Even if you think you are, you're not done yet. So keep following. Listen, hear Jesus say, follow me, follow me, follow me.